Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Desiree. We are both mothers who run a support group for perinatal loss. Through our group, we have met many wonderful families and have had the honor of hearing about and sometimes meeting their beautiful babies. We notice that families feel relief when they can share openly and feel seen when they meet others who are telling similar stories. So we created this podcast as a space for families to share the stories of their babies. We want to honor and remember these children. We want to help you navigate your life after loss. And most importantly, we want each story to give you hope. So please join us as we share these stories of grief and love. Welcome to the Blindsided Podcast. Welcome to the Blindsided Podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Desiree. Hello. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Today, we're here with Tina, a lost mom who is local to us here in South Jersey. She's going to share the story of her daughter, Madeline, with us. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? My uh, my name is Tina Rue. I live in Mantua, New Jersey. I'm married, my husband, Joe, and then I have three children. Jenna is 22. Madeline is my daughter that passed away in 2019. And my son, Hudson, is two and a half. And we are expecting a baby girl in May of this year. I'm a nurse and I had my oldest when I was very young. I was 15. So I started this whole journey of motherhood very young, but it's been interesting over the years to, to for her and I to grow up together and experience a lot of things together. You were 15 when you had Jenna or when you were pregnant, like when you got pregnant with her or when you had her? I was 15 when I had her. I turned 16 two months after she was born. That's a lot for a 15-year-old. Yes, it was. I was very lucky. My family was very supportive. Um, Her biological father was not, but we didn't really need him. We dealt with it ourselves. And she's great. She's wonderful. She's she's doing wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his loss. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. She is. She is beautiful. I'm biased, though. Can you tell us about your pregnancy journey with Madeline? So my husband and I got married in 2017. And we were immediately started trying to have a baby and it wasn't happening. So we went to South Jersey Fertility Center and we went through the testing for infertility. And we had what they call secondary, unexplained secondary infertility. They really couldn't tell us why we couldn't get pregnant. They just didn't know. We did four rounds of IUI and were not successful. We did our first round of in vitro. We got one embryo. Transferred that one and that one did not work. Um, So we went back to the drawing board. We did a second um, egg retrieval and we did a frozen embryo transfer. And we, that time we we got pregnant with Madeline in um, April of 2019. We got pregnant with Madeline. It was a difficult pregnancy. I was 33 and I, Within weeks of getting pregnant, I was already swollen. Feet, legs, everything just swollen. I was miserable. And I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes at 28 weeks. I started having you know more testing. She was measuring very big. They started me on insulin after some time. And then at 38 weeks, they decided that it was time for her to be born because she was just too big and I had too much fluid and just everything was um, not looking great. So they wanted her to be born. She was breech. I opted not to try to turn her because I don't like that. <laughs> I think that it's just, it's just scary. Awful. It's very it's scary. And I, of course, read all about it. And it, it's more of a risk if you have um, gestational diabetes because it can cause problems with the placenta. 
So I said, just do a C-section. I'm fine with it. It is what it is. I had a vaginal delivery with my oldest and I was like, I'm good. Just do a C-section. So she was born at 38 weeks and two days. She was huge. She was nine pounds, eight ounces. She was 21 and a half inches. She was huge. She was a big girl, but she had you know, full head of dark hair and she was just beautiful and healthy. She did go to the NICU for a couple of days. She swallowed some fluid when she came out. So they took her to the NICU for a couple of days, but she was born on, she was born on Friday the 13th and she came home on Monday. So it was not, she didn't have like an extended NICU stay, just, you know, the normal couple of days that I was in the hospital after my C-section. Was she in the NICU the entire time that you guys were hospitalized? She was, she was actually discharged from the NICU. Yes. Okay. And what month was she born? December 13th. December. Okay. She was born on Taylor Swift's 30th birthday. Oh. <laughs> and we, we, pay, we played Taylor Swift in the oh. OR when she was when she was born. Oh, that's so oh, cute. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm a Swifty and we played Taylor yes. Swift. Yes. She's a Swifty too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she was in the NICU and you were recovering, did you feel like you got to spend a lot of time with her in the NICU? I did. I was pretty much with her all the time. I was breastfeeding, so I was allowed to hold her every – they were pretty strict about, like, how often we could hold her, but every three hours for her feedings, I was able to go down and hold her and feed her, and then I would pretty much stay in the room with her as long as I could, and then if she went to sleep, I might go back and lay down for a little bit. Um, yeah. I didn't get much rest while I was in the hospital with her. I just tried to stay with her as much as I could. And then was your family allowed to visit her, like your husband, Jenna? They were. Yes, we could have my husband was with me the whole time and we could have. um, Yeah, Jenna was able to. Yes, Um, we could have at that point, we could have four people in the NICU at a time. The day she was. yeah, Yeah, the day she was born, I was still kind of recovering. So my husband, Joe, was able to take a couple people down at a time to the NICU um, to see her. And they were able to spend time with her and see her, even though she was they couldn't hold her. No one was really allowed to hold her until um, Sunday. Did Joe get to hold her when she was in the NICU? He did. He let he kind of deferred to me and let me hold her whenever yeah. they let us hold her. But towards like the end where she was being discharged, then he started to hold her more. Once we were allowed to hold her more, he he would t- take some turns holding her. Nice. Um, Can you tell us how or when Madeline passed away? Madeline was born on Friday the 13th, like I said. She came home from the hospital Monday the 16th in the afternoon we came home from the hospital my family came over to see her my nieces they they were younger so they were not allowed to go to the NICU to see her so they had not gotten to meet her yet so my sister brought my nieces over and they were able to hold her um my dad and my mom came over and my my two sisters came over what happened was we we put Madeline to bed I had nursed her we put her in her bassinet to sleep um, the first time she woke up, we got up and we gave her a pot, a bottle of pumped milk. Um, my husband changed her diaper. We gave her a bottle of pumped milk. We put her back in the bassinet. Uh, the mm-hmm. second time she woke up, I, my husband gave her to me on the bed and I nursed her. I put her next to me on an infant lounger and I was watching TV. She was awake. I was awake. I, like I said, I was exhausted. I did not get a lot of rest while I was in the hospital with her and I dozed off um and I woke up probably 10 to 15 minutes later and she wasn't breathing um it was very fast I like I said I am a nurse I did start CPR but I knew she was gone I could just kind of tell she you know she had no pulse she wasn't breathing I could tell she was gone but I did try CPR I you know I started it I did what I could do um and then 
the paramedics, my husband called 911, the paramedics came, uh, they took her to the hospital and they tried, they, you know, they did what they could do, but unfortunately she had already passed away. So it was the night we came up from the hospital. I'm so sorry, Tina. It's one thing to like lose your baby, but then to like be there and have to resuscitate your baby is like a whole nother level. Yeah. Especially not Mm -hmm. being able to, but I had to try Yeah, absolutely. And knowing that I've you know I've done it before and I've been able to be successful on other people makes it very difficult. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't even have anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Like we I obviously I know the story because I know you, but I just like so I met Tina. I don't know if you know how I got called. Well, I do know that you asked for someone to come for I asked, your baby. Yes, I asked. So my, unfortunately, my best friend lost her son. Um, he was four months old and she lost him due to a, a congenital heart defect um, t- in 2011, 2010 or okay. 2011. So I knew about now I lay me down to sleep and I knew to, I knew to ask for these things because I knew that I wasn't going to get these pictures of her. So I yeah. asked the nurse in the ER, could they call somebody and bring somebody in? And they called, they called Desiree. It was really early in the morning too. God, it was, it was like, five, I o'clock. five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was really yeah. early and it was a brand new hospital. Yeah. It had actually ho- opened that Saturday and then oh Madeline gosh. passed away on Tuesday. So it was a brand new hospital. I actually work for the hospital system now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the phone number came up and it was a hospital, but it was said, you know, well, whatever hospital it was, it came up and I was like, wow, I've never been to that hospital before. And it's weird. They're calling me. I knew it was probably about a baby. But when I answered the phone, it was the emergency room and it was the nurse manager, which never happens, um, or the nursing supervisor, I want to say, and and asking me to come for a baby that had passed away. I remember getting my stuff and calling my friend who also lost her baby full term. At that time, I didn't know that it was like your situation. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it was full term. You know, your baby was full term. Um, to come with me if she wanted to and she did but when I got to the hospital I remember that um, because it was a brand new hospital nobody knew how to get me in the back nobody I, it was oh it was a mess yeah oh my yeah. gosh nobody knew where anything was um it was it was they had just moved the patients to the hospital on Saturday from the old facility yeah so it was, it was very yeah it was very it was a lot and being in the brand new hospital yeah um and the staff were all wonderful the staff were wonderful it was That's great crazy I'm, i have a friend who works in mother baby at the hospital and i just had happened to see on snapchat the night before that she was going to work that night for her first shift at the new hospital so they the nurse that was with us in the er she said somebody from mother baby is going to come down to do memory making with you to make footprints and handprints and all those things and i said could it be kim i said my friend is working could you please could it could it be her and they did they let her come down she stayed with us for hours um and she did all those things and it was just nice to have someone i knew it wasn't a stranger so that was very that was very yeah Yeah. and i i know it was hard for her it's hard no matter what when you lose a patient it's difficult um but when it's somebody that you know personally, Absolutely. it's it's harder. But she was wonderful. Your story's different. I always think people are just like, yeah, they just wonder how you, you know what I mean? Like how you handled it versus like how they handled it or like. 
I mean, I was in shock. I was 100% in shock. I know that. But I was also, I've dealt with death so much being in, being a nurse that I, I feel like I was like running, and Desiree, you were there. I feel like I was running in like, I don't know what the right word is, like, um, just like on, what is the right word I'm trying to think of? Like autopilot, you're trying to say? Yes. I feel like I was on autopilot. Like, okay, I know these are the things that I have to do. And need to I need to ask them to call someone to come take pictures. I need to ask for footprints and handprints. I need to hand my sister my phone so she can start calling our family and our friends and get my friends here. Um I called my mom in the car in the police car when they were taking us to the hospital and so I had called my mom and then the only other person I called was my best friend that um also lost her son. I called her after Madeline oh. had passed and she lives in Ohio. So she was, she got here the next day, but she's the only person other than that. I just, I couldn't, I put my phone down and I just, I held my baby. We were lucky. A lot of parents that were in this, that are in the situation we're in, don't get to hold their baby. Um, We did. I don't really know why, honestly, because they didn't have to let us from what I understand. I do know that the prosecutor's office did come out because she did die you know, it was an unexplained death of an infant. The prosecutor's office came out. My husband is in law enforcement. My sister is an attorney. So we have a lot of background with these things. And they asked us what happened. I told them what happened. And in the ER, the ner- the doctor told the prosecutor's office that basically we didn't do anything wrong. There was no evidence wow. that we hurt the baby. So they... That was it, and they let us hold her at that point. Once, once the doctor told them that, and we, I was able to keep her with me for a few hours until my whole family could, my family could get there and say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, yeah. the medical examiner. So the problem was, it was December seventeenth, so it was right before Christmas, and the medical examiner basically said, you know, if she doesn't get here soon we're not going to be able to do the autopsy till after the holidays. And I did not want that. So after a little bit of time, when I was ready, they were encouraging me. The nursing manager that kept coming in, she was very kind. She was telling them like, no, don't push her. It's her baby, like whatever. But I kind of got the hint that I needed to move things along. Um, I just knew that I would not be able to hold her again after that because I knew they were going to do an autopsy and I know what that means. So I just took my time. And then I actually gave her to my friend um, that worked at the hospital that had come down to help us. And she carried her out to the medical examiner to give her to them. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have to hand her to a stranger, which was very, very um, comforting was she was not with a stranger at that point. And then once her autopsy was completed, my grandfather, um, one of his close friends works at a funeral home and they were waiting for her to take her once the autopsy was done. Yes, I remember all of that. How many hours did you get to stay and hold her in the ER? Because I I do, like, I hear what you're saying. They, like, pressured you to leave. Like, didn't really pressure you, but kind of did. But that's, you know, pretty remarkable. You got some hours we in We got about four hours, I would say. Um, it was probably yeah. about 9.30 when I finally said – she was pronounced at 5.30. And I was probably about 9.30 when I said, okay – you can you can take her now. That was about nine thirty at that point. Okay. So we did get we got a, a decent amount of time with her. Yeah. 
I, I know it's never enough. I'm not saying it, but like, yeah, it'll never, right. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. You know, more than, yeah. more than most people get in that situation. Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. And I, and I, I will never, you know, downplay that, that I know a lot of families in the same situation don't get to do that. Yeah. Now, like you said, um, I've, when I came in, I was surprised that we could touch her, move her, pose her, you could hold her because I've right. been in not that situation, but similar and you not supposed to do anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're allowed to like do all this. So I was glad for you that, that you were. Yeah, I was. And, and I didn't really know at the time that that is not the norm. Yeah. I've learned that as time has gone on and I've been in like Facebook support groups for babies that died of, of um, sewage, um, sudden unexplained infant death. And a lot of those parents have said, you know, they were not allowed to hold their baby. Um, Which is they, so they sad. Couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I understand, I do understand the necessity of that in a lot of, in some situations where if it's not clear what happened, I understand because it's about keeping other children safe. I understand, but it's also, you know, devastating that they don't get to hold their baby mm-hmm. and say goodbye because you can't hold them at once you know, I know what happens. And, you know, once the autopsy is done, it's very, very unlikely that you'll be able to hold the baby again. So uh, we were very lucky. I mean, I'm not lucky, but we were lucky in that we did get to spend that time with her. And some of my family had never gotten to hold her while she was alive. So they got to hold her at least before she was taken. You never got to hold her again then after the hospital? No. Okay. No. And they told, I mean, they, didn't tell me why but i know why yeah 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 and but they did let me you know kiss her goodbye and i mm-hmm. tucked her in and i closed her i got to do all that that was nice but yeah we i didn't get to hold her again after the yeah. hospital. i remember she's looked she still looked perfect though she did she, she did mean. she was she was so fat it was so cute but she was she just looked <laughs> how big was jenna and how big was hudson when they were born like the comparison <laughs> Jenna was seven pounds thirteen ounces. Teeny. Um, Hudson was nine pounds thirteen ounces. Oh wow! So he was actually bigger than Madeline. How big was that? Nine. She was nine. What? She was nine eight. Okay. Yeah. And she was born at thirty eight weeks. Hudson was nine thirteen. He was born at thirty seven weeks. Oh my gosh! gosh. This baby is going to be ten pounds. And if you look at Tina, she's so little. You would not. Yeah, I, like, I have a very small frame. Yes, yeah, so it's like kind of crazy because I have these giant freaking babies. My husband is six foot tall. Though. I'm five foot two. My husband's six foot one, and I have these giant babies because of my husband. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is there anything that sticks out to you in your mind that was like really kind that someone did for you? There was a lot after you know people sent food and they did a GoFundMe and people were just very very kind and. The one thing that I always, and I now do this whenever anybody loses a child or a pregnant, like whatever, a death. Yeah. So a woman, this is going to sound crazy, but there's a, there's a Facebook boutique that I belong to and I've bought things from her, um, for years, like just on like clothes and Madeline's due date was Christmas, uh, Christmas day. So. Once we realized she was definitely coming early, I had reached out to this boutique and I asked her if she had any like leftover baby girl Christmas clothes. And she said she did. So I said, well, let me see how big she is because she's coming December 13th. I'll have time to order. It's coming from North Jersey. Perfect. So somehow I didn't follow up with her again, obviously, because Madeline died. 
somehow she found out that Madeline had passed away. And one day we got this gift in the mail. I was like, what is this? It was a tree to plant outside a a memorial tree. And it came with a little plaque that said, you know, in loving memory of Madeline and everything. So my husband planted it out front and it's, it's awesome because it's a, we get to see it every day and we, we, we put lights on it for the different seasons and it's just a visual reminder and it's her tree. It's Maddie's tree. So that was the most thoughtful thing that a stranger basically did for us. And of course my family and my friends, they did so many things for us, but that was just such a thoughtful thing for someone who didn't have to do it to do for us. That's and now beautiful. we'll take pictures of Hudson next to the tree every year. And now with when the new baby comes, just like, cause we don't, she's not, we don't get to see her grow. We get to see her tree grow. And that's yeah. what we use. Yeah. Cause, and we, and she was cremated. So we don't have like a grave to visit. So we have her tree. And now if, if someone, if someone I know loses, you know, a child or even like my, my grandparents, my dad's sister died um, like 10 years ago. We got my grandparents a tree this year for Christmas that they can plant in their yard because they moved back to the area. Because it's just such a nice thing to do. It just, people don't think about it, but it's just such a nice thing to do that. I, I love it. I'm still on that idea. Yeah. That someone didn't have to do for us. Like it was just such a kind thing that they didn't have to do for us. Where do you get a tree? Like, uh, is that a website or like there's a website? Just... Yeah. There's a website. They're yeah. I can get through the website and like, you can link it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Some, some websites let you like buy a tree in, in a forest and we didn't want to do that. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. I love the growth thing. Like how you watch the tree grow. It's called Seeds of Light. Seeds, seeds of, of life, life. Yeah. seeds s-e-e-d-s of life yep dot com okay well, that's, that's a beautiful also and beautiful it even showed like it'll yeah. even show you like company. what trees are good in which which areas yeah oh because yeah, the zone i know we're zone five here in jersey yes it tells you by what zone so yeah like zone five um so jenna she was the child that you had at home um, how old was she when you lost Madeline and how did she, how was her experience? She was 17. Um, she was 17. Mm-hmm. She was about to turn 18. She actually turned 18 a little bit less than a month after Madeline passed away. She was very strong through the whole thing. I think she felt like she had to be strong for me, which was hard. This is definitely harder because I'm pregnant. <laughs> that's okay i'm sorry Um, no it's okay it's it's hard enough to grieve it's harder to watch your children grieve also so to see her going through it her friends were very very caring and they were there for her and she was able to um stay at a friend's house when she needed to to get out of our house because our house was obviously very sad yeah very emotional so she was able to go and be with her friends which was nice because she was old enough to do that i didn't have to worry about her her friends parents were very supportive which was great too um but it's very i think they people forget that siblings grieve yeah and she's grieving the loss of her sister and she's she's trying to support her parents so she's you know she's she's trying to be strong which she shouldn't have to be 
because she's not she's not she's the child i'm the adult but she was trying she you know she was very strong and she was very supportive and she you know she probably kept a lot of it in she did go to therapy we got her into, into therapy to help her and that definitely helped her too and she's i think it was probably i don't know if it's easier or harder that she was older because my nieces my nieces really struggled also they were six and eight i guess yeah six and eight and my younger niece especially really struggled when madeline passed away and i think it was hard for her to understand what was happening because she couldn't she was six and then with jenna she understood what was happening so i don't know if it's easier that she understood or harder that she understood because she really understood the permanency of the situation like my niece would say well i'm just gonna wish madeline back to life for my birthday and because in her mind that made sense like oh i can do that jenna obviously knew that that's not something you can do so it was not it's it's kind of i guess like a double-edged sword that she's older but also it was nice to have that person another person there to be supportive sorry i'm trying not to cry no you're okay it's okay to cry really but being pregnant makes it definitely i'm definitely more hormonal than normal what i'm thinking when you're crying is that um for people that say you know this happened in 2019 and it's 2024 well four years ago you know um you can't and you already have a baby uh, you know another baby after this and now you're pregnant again like you can't possibly be sad because look i mean like this just goes to show you like this this does not it gets yeah like every day gets better but it still hurts pretty fucking bad yeah one of the things one thing that i tell new parents when they've lost a baby recently and they say i don't know how i'm going to survive this and things like that is i tell them it doesn't get easier you get you get better at hiding it and you get better at compartmentalizing and you know i can function i can go to work i can be a mom and i can do all these things and it doesn't mean i'm not mourning you're always i'm always going to be grieving it's not going to go away right that's just that's not the nature of grief but grief is not linear grief is very it's like a I've seen I've seen pictures before, like graphics of like people explaining grief, and like one of the things they say is like it's a ball and it just bounces all over the place, mm-hmm. and that's the best way to explain it is that you know at one point you know some days I'm I'm okay and I'm coping, and I'm you know not not thinking about it as much, and some days I can't get out of bed. And yes, it's been four years, but there's still days where I can't get out of bed. There's days where I have panic attacks that are so bad. It's 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 painful, physically painful, because I can't stop shaking because I'm having a panic attack. Like, those are the things that people don't see or, or know about if they've ever been through these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to talk to parents about when they've recently lost a child is that everybody tells you what's going to happen in the immediate aftermath of the situation nobody tells you what's going to trigger you in six months and nobody nobody knows what's going to trigger you obviously but nobody tells you that you know mother's day 
even though I already had a child. It wasn't my first Mother's Day, but Mother's Day was probably the hardest day I had in the year after I lost Madeline. And I did not expect it. I was just completely blindsided by the fact that Mother's Day was so difficult for me because I had been a mother for 18 years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't my first Mother's Day. It wasn't anything new for me, but it was just, I was a wreck that day. And that completely caught me by surprise. I did not expect that. But nobody talks about that what happens in a few weeks, in a few months, in a few years, because we just, that's just something that people talk about. They just, like Desiree said, they just expect you to move on. And you don't ever move on because they're always going to be a part of you. Yeah. Yes. It's always going to be this horrible thing that happened that you're never going to forget happened. Yeah, I was I was really surprised when I did my episode that I started crying cuz my daughter will be 16. Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like just certain things just brought tears to my eyes and like I hadn't remembered them that way in so long. And I think you also yeah. I think that we protect ourselves our I think that our brains are designed to protect us. Yeah. So there's things that you don't think about on a regular basis because it's too hard. So, you know, obviously I think about Madeline all the time, but I don't always think about that she's that she died mm-hmm. or how she died or what happened when she died. Yeah. I don't think about, you know, what she looks like after she passed away. I don't I don't the way my brain lets me think about those things because it's not it's not healthy to be thinking about those things all the time. Yeah. So I think that our brains are helping us with these things. But then when you sit down to talk about it in these situations, it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. How do you answer the question? How many children do you have? I personally always include Madeline in that number. So generally what I say is I have a 22 year old. I lost my daughter at four days old in 2019. I have a two and a half year old and I am expecting another baby girl in May. That's generally how I answer that question. And that is a very common question people ask in support groups. What do I say if somebody asks me? And yeah. my answer is always the same thing, whatever you're comfortable with. I am not responsible for anybody's feelings or comfort level, but mine. So if it makes yep. you uncomfortable yep. that my child died, imagine how uncomfortable I am. I love so Tina. I. <laughs> So good. I always speak my truth. And if if people can't handle that, then that's okay. I fully yeah. respect that. But you're not going to tell me that I can't talk about my child. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. So I always mention Madeline. And she's in our, we, we make sure she's included in our family pictures. You know, we take pictures. I love of her that. I to love do all it. those things. She's included in everything of it with our lives. What have you done in the community to help you as you're grieving your daughter or in memory of your daughter? We, well, so you, you know, you know the answer to a lot of this. I do know the answer, but. Uh, yeah. So we are very active in, um, I'm very active in the lo- like a local loss community. Um, I volunteer um, a lot of different places because, you know, I have nothing better to do with my time than volunteer. So I, <laughs> I like to help other people. Um, Like I said, I'm very vocal about my grief. So I 
have no problem talking to parents that have recently lost children. I step up you know, to, to do those things and help people. For Madeline's first birthday, we did a GoFundMe with our family and our friends, and we raised money to buy a cuddle cut to donate to the hospital where Madeline was pronounced dead. Even though that's not, she, she wasn't born there. I just felt like I wanted to do something for them because they were very kind to us when she passed away. So we raised the funds. We donated a cuddle cut to that hospital. I actually connected with the first mom that got to use that cuddle cut and we're, we're, we're friendly now. And it was just very, I've t- actually talked to a few moms that have gotten to use the cuddle cut um, art that we donated. And it's, it's nice to see. I wish that it didn't have to exist. But yes, unfortunate truth is babies die and it's mm-hmm. wonderful to have the cuddle cot to give them some time with their baby. For her second birthday, my son was born in May of 2021. So her second birthday was December of 2021. We catered a lunch for the NICU staff at the hospital where my son was born because he had a two week NICU stay and that hospital was phenomenal. The NICU was just absolutely amazing. The staff was so kind to us. They knew our story. They knew what happened to our daughter. They they constantly were just there all the time and just telling us like, okay, this is why the monitor's going off. This is what's going on. Very reassuring. Like they just, they were so kind. So we catered a lunch for um, all of the doctors, the nurses, the techs, everybody in the NICU that day. It was like 60 people on her second birthday and then on the second anniversary of her passing away we sent pizzas to the er where she was pronounced to do something for them there and then (laughs) for her third birthday we again raised the funds we partnered with another local nonprofit, and we we were able to raise the funds to donate another cuddle cot to another hospital in the hospital network where she passed away. So we donated a second cuddle cot for her third birthday. Now for her fourth birthday, uh, which was in December of 2023, we we I volunteered with, with an organization that uh, brings gift bags to NICU parents on holidays. So we donated books to the organization and we created gift bags for the hospital where I work for their NICU. And... We are going to Disney World in two weeks. And what we've decided is there's something called pixie dusting at Disney World, where you give out little whatever it might be to random people. And it's just called pixie dusting. So so what we we did was I had these little little, like like Mickey keychains made. And I had little tags made that said, you know, you've been pixie dusted in loving memory of Madeline Rue. And her birthday and the day she passed away. And we're going to buy some Disney gift cards. Just like $5 Disney gift cards. And we're going to make up these little bags. And my nieces are going with us. We're going to have the kids hand out these bags to whoever they want to at Disney World um, while we're there. And I think we have 25 of them. How I love that. Yeah, just, every year gets better. <laughs> every year we, we, we try to do something different every year because I want to not like always do the same thing. So yeah. we tried, and this just ended up, we, we decided to go to Disney world for our baby moon before the baby comes. Yeah. So I thought this would be a fun idea, something different to do. And also it gets her name out there. Yeah. We, um, 
that's one of the biggest things is as a, as a lost parent is you just want people to remember your baby. So yeah. it gets her name out there and who knows who we're giving it to because it's strangers. They could be from anywhere at Disney world. You know, she could be, they could be from Europe for all we know. Who knows? Right. My nieces are, my, my nieces are just going to pick other kids, ask their parents if it's okay. And then give these kids these little bags. So you, oh, so you don't like throw? I'm picturing like you throw like, oh, like throwing pixie dust. No. I swear, pixie dusting. It's it's just a term I guess oh. they use where it just means <laughs> someone's putting a little bit of magic on your day. Okay, which is like a yeah, it's just a term, and it's just basically little gift bags. Like you would, you know, in, in school, you get little gift bags for yeah. holidays. Oh, it's you don't eat it at little... their head. <laughs> I was no. like, she throws sparkles at people. No, no, no glitter. Like, I no, kind of no like glitter. that. I know. Yeah, no, oh no glitter. But no, it's just it's just it's putting a little magic onto somebody's day. I really love that. Them. Yeah, that's so unique. And I just booked a trip to Disney last night. So. Oh, she's, you did? <laughs> yeah, I might to use that idea. I know. Yeah, I love do that. It if you um, if you there's a like a Facebook page that has like a bunch of different tips and tricks for Disney World, and that's why yeah. I heard about it. Like, oh, this is such a good idea. You know what? This is what we're going to do for Madeline's birthday this year. So it's a little after her birthday. But okay. it just felt like something, something cool to do. Yeah, I love that. Was there anyone who showed up for you in your grief journey that you were not expecting? I mean, um, you already said the lady at the boutique, so I don't yeah. know if there's anyone yeah, else. Her name is Marissa. Marissa at the at the you know her boutique. I you know I never would have expected that. Um, yeah, a lot of people showed up for us that didn't you know really are my fertility doctor. Um, she came to Madeline's funeral and she didn't have to do that. She, she didn't have to do that. She's one of my closest friends now. She helped us conceive Madeline. She helped us conceive Hudson and she helped us conceive this, our, our, our new baby. We're not sharing that's the baby's amazing. name, um, until after she's born. So <laughs> that's why I just keep calling her the baby. So she's <laughs> one of my closest friends now. And she came to the funeral and I did not expect her to be there. You know, a bunch of people from high school that I really hadn't seen since high school, but we were friends on Facebook they came. One of my very close friends died my senior year of high school in a car accident. And her parents came to Madeline's funeral. I wasn't expecting that. I haven't seen them in, I mean, I send them a Christmas card every year, but I haven't seen them in a long time. I wasn't expecting them to come. Wow. That's like a full circle thing for them yes. too. Like that's it was so very much so. so. You know, I've known Sweet. them since I was a te- young teen, 13 years old and they you know they came to madeline's funeral and the doctor that would have been madeline's pediatrician she never actually got to go to the pediatrician but they sent us flowers and they didn't have to do that she wasn't even their patient they had never seen her that is so nice it was very and they are hudson's pediatrician now but um just little things like that where you're not expecting people to do those things And I was very grateful for what everyone did for us. So I personally sent thank you cards, handwritten thank you cards to everybody. If you, if if they came to the funeral and they brought a card, I hand wrote a thank you card. The funeral home had to give me more thank you cards because I I did so many. (laughs) My husband's, my husband is a, uh, in law enforcement and I also worked at, at the time. I also worked at the jail where he works per diem as a nurse everybody knew us obviously and everybody knew we were having the baby and then when she passed it was like you know shock it said shock waves through the jail they sent 
officers, they bust officers over to our daughter's funeral so that people could come to the funeral. They didn't have to do that for us, but they did. And it meant a lot to us that, that they were there because there was just a show of a crazy show of support that we had. We had a lot of people in our corner and that was very helpful because you feel very alone. Yeah. So the, the having all those people, it's not funny, but it's funny. The funeral home, they, you know, they, we, we made the, it was a closed casket, but we made the viewing about an hour and a half. And my sister had told them it wasn't going to be enough time. It was December 21st. So it was right. It was a Saturday, the last Saturday before Christmas. And they're like, I guess they figured it's a, it's an infant, you know, it's not that many people there. Yeah. It was standing room only. And it was, people were coming through the viewing line. The At one point they're like, okay, we have to keep going. Cause like, we're going to run out of time. Like we have to start with the service and everything. Cause they just were not expecting the amount of people that showed up for our baby. So a lot of people showed up for us in our time of grief that we were not necessarily expecting to show up for us. Yeah. It sounds like you have a wonderful support network. We do. We are very, very lucky. I am very close to my family. I have wonderful. I've had the same, you know, best friends since I was my, my closest, like my one best friend that also lost her son. We've been best friends since we were 10 years old. We've been through Mm -hmm. everything together. And my other, you know, my other closest friends, we've been best friends since junior high and high school. We have, I have good friends and I have, you know, my sisters and my parents and I have a large extended family. I'm, I'm very lucky and I know that. How did this affect, if it did affect your relationship with your husband, either brought you closer, you know, pulled you apart for a time? No. If you want to share, you don't have to share. No, no, no. I'll share anything. Um, it brought, I think it brought us closer together, I would say, because we had to, uh, like I said, I have experience with mourning and with death and things like that. So I knew we were going to mourn differently. I knew we were going to grieve. We're, we're very different people also. So I knew I was. we were going to grieve differently. So I didn't expect him to react the same way I was reacting to anything. I just knew that wasn't, it wasn't going to be fair to him for me to expect that. So we were able to be very supportive of each other and, you know, one was strong when the other couldn't be. We definitely, I feel like we definitely got closer because we kind of, I I think it either pushes you apart or it makes you closer. Mm -hmm. And we def, I do think we definitely got closer because of what happened. And I think it could be, it would have been easy for him to be angry with me because he was sleeping when, when, you know, when she passed away, but he was never angry with me. He's checking, he's checking on me now. Aww. Um, Aww. But he was never angry with me. He just kind of, you know, it, 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 he not accepted it, but just, it, it's what happened. And it's nobody's, it's nobody's fault. It just is what happened to right. us. Mm-hmm. What a good man. He is. I'll keep him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> how was your pregnancy with Hudson after losing Madeline and how did you cope with the anxiety and stress that comes from being pregnant again? Therapy. That's good. Um, lots okay. of therapy. I really had to, I did a very, sp- I have, I have PTSD because what happened to me was very yes. traumatic and I went through a very, a very special kind of therapy. It's called EMDR mm-hmm. and it is specific for people who have PTSD. And I worked very hard doing my therapy during the course of my pregnancy to process what happened to us and to prepare myself for the delivery because now it was different doctor, different hospital, 
different neonatologists, different NICU, different everything. Um, and it still felt like I was walking into the same operating room when I went to deliver Hudson. And I do credit EMDR with being the therapy that I received. I do credit that with, with definitely helping me cope through that situation, especially with Hudson's NICU time, because the NICU time was very traumatic. Madeline's NICU time and Hudson's NICU time were night and day. And I do think if I had not prepared the way I did, I would not have handled Hudson's NICU time as well as I did. Did you know that he was going to have to go to the NICU? I forget. No, we were hoping he wouldn't, but he just decided he didn't want to breathe when he was born. Oh my gosh. So, Don't, not scary or anything. So he went to the NICU. Oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a scary thing. Yeah, no. But no, we, we did not know. We, we They were prepared just in case, but he ended up needing the NICU. So how many ses- sessions of EMDR did you do? Uh, just for listeners who don't know, it's called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I actually did it to process trauma too, similar with my daughter and then other deaths in, in my family. Um, and it really works. I mean, it was amazing, like night and day difference. I was having like triggers and um, I, I did about 10 sessions and it made a huge difference. I did way more than 10 I'll yeah. say that um pretty much weekly for I started before I was even pregnant with Hudson and I did it up until he was born so I mean I did at least 60 to 70 sessions wow, that's amazing. I mean I had significant yeah. trauma to process and I had multiple traumatic incidents that happened even surrounding Madeline's yeah. passing so I had a lot of work to do, but I did the work and I do think it helped me coping with my anxiety and my stress. And I'm not going to say that I never had to, you know, take something for anxiety when I was pregnant. I, it, I definitely did at times, but I definitely think that the therapy is why I was able to cope as well as I did the entire time. And again, this with this pregnancy, same thing. I, the therapy that I went through, I'm still in therapy. No, I'm not doing EMDR anymore, but yeah. I am still in therapy. And I do think the therapy that I've gone through and the therapy I continue to do helps processing my feelings and my emotions instead of just pretending it's not happening. Yeah, definitely. I, and like, I always feel lighter after therapy. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like so much better. I think everybody should go to therapy, <laughs> because, especially yeah. moms, because it's like one hour a week or every two weeks where somebody has to listen to you. <laughs> Like their job yeah, is just yeah. listen to you because nobody listens to no. you and their job is to listen to you about whatever it is you need to tell them about at that point. So I say everyone should go to therapy. I agree. But I guess, I guess the thing I would say is being on my second pregnancy after losing Madeline, it's, it's different than being pregnant with Hudson. And I don't know if that's because it's a girl or if it's because I know for sure this is going to be my last baby. I'm not going to have any more after this one. I don't know, but it definitely feels different than it felt like when I was pregnant with Hudson. So I will say that for people, like it's not every pregnancy is going to feel different after loss. So if one pregnancy feels like it's, you know, oh, it's easy. I'm okay. The next one might not be the same. Yeah. Do you feel like this one is easier or Hudson was easier for you? I think Hudson was easier. I do think that that is because this is a a girl. 
I think that that makes this harder on me that it's a girl. I'm not upset that it's a girl. I will love this child, obviously, no matter what. But I do think it feels harder on me because it's a baby girl. Yeah. For all the reasons you said, because it's a girl, because you just, you said all the, the reasons that you said, and they all are valid. They're all. Add all that together. That That's a lot. Yeah. Tina, thank you so much. Tina, thank you so much for being here and sharing the story of Madeline with us. If you want to send some love to Tina, email us at storyteller at theblindsided.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the Blindsided Podcast. We truly appreciate your support and time you spent with us. If you have a personal story you'd like to share on the show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can send us an email at nicoleattheblindsided.com or desireeattheblindsided.com. For more episodes, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. Just search The Blindsided Podcast and hit that follow button. You can also connect with us on social media too. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Blindsided Podcast. We love engaging with our listeners and hearing your thoughts on each episode. And before you go, consider leaving a rating and review for our show. Your feedback helps us reach more listeners who might find value in the stories and discussions we share. Once again, thank you for listening and being a part of the Blindsided community.